welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. I'm recording live from my kitchen table here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond, and Shane is off this week. Uh, so I just want to kind of intro the show for you guys a little bit this week. It's going to be a little different. I really, first and foremost, want to thank you all for sticking with us these past three weeks as we've been fighting with some audio gremlins, trying to get our new gear kind of dialed in. We've decided to scrap it and go another route. As a result, we haven't had any equipment to record with this week. So I'm going to put a best of together this week that you'll hear following this. It's going to be a little bit of some new bits that you've never heard, some stuff that you maybe have heard but that just always makes me laugh. It's going to be a little bit of everything, but we will be back with new content next week. In the meantime, though, I did not want to let a week go by without talking about this. We had some big news out of the FDA this week. I just want to make sure everybody was aware of it because the FDA uh, cigar warning labels have been delayed by a Washington, D.C. court. This is huge news, and it was passed down uh, from the U.S. District Court Judge Amit Mehta, and basically, uh, the ruling is that the requirements um, will be delayed for 60 days uh, on the change of the, uh, the warning label thing. And really had some favorable things to say about the industry itself and how detrimental this could potentially be to the industry. And mentioned that that may not be something that he wants to be a part of, which would be nice. If you are feeling like a nerd like I am and really want to get your teeth sunk into this, go over to halfwheel.com and they've got a full write-up on what this means to you as a cigar smoker and they talk about you know, really what's handed down. They also have the 12-page memorandum opinion on uh, this ruling that you can read through in all of its wonderful legalese. Um, if you don't feel like doing that, I don't blame you. Um, but all the information you want, to, want is over there at halfwheel.com. So that's all we have for new news this week. Like I said, we will be back next week. And until then, enjoy some of these best bits. Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dudman. I am joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. All right, hit the fanfare. So. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> I've, I've been prepping for this show all day. I've been doing my research. I've been taking all my notes. I have the perfect amount of Jimmy Buffett in my veins right now. Uh, uh, is, that, is that your hype music? No. See, just enough Jimmy Buffett will make you feel real good. <laughs> Too much Jimmy Buffett, and you just don't give a damn. It's true. You can you <laughs> so, can go full boat drinks. You yes. can just go all you, the way over to yeah. Yeah, you can fall right over the edge. So getting that Jimmy Buffett level right is a it's a it's a talent. All right, so I've got to know what are your go to songs, or do you have an album? Let's see how deep the Parrothead roots go here. It's always going to be "Son of a Son of a Sailor." The album or the song? The song. Okay. Um, the newest version, the one with Miss Madura Shakur. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, I don't think we can be podcast partners anymore. Nadira Shakur ruined Jimmy Buffett for me. I will turn off. I, now, I'm Parrothead as much as they come. I love Jimmy Buffett and have since I was a kid. Dad brought me up on him. 
I cannot listen to a version of a song with Nadira Shakur on it. I especially "Son of a Son of a Sailor." She ruins that song. That was wonderful. She has this sweet mellifluous voice, and then you know, and they took out the bells ringing and the pan flute whatevers, and <laughs> just really brought the instrumentally instrumentally brought that whole song together in that particular version. And they sure did. They absolutely did, but they ruined it by putting her on it. I like that one. I like... <laughs> I have very strong feelings when it comes to Nadira Shakur. Um, there's still so much to be done. I like um, Cheeseburger in Paradise. I like a couple of lines out of it. People our parents warned us about, I like it. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of... Most of his catalog, I really enjoy. Some stuff I'm not that big on. Margaritaville has been ruined for me. It's It's been sung too many times in too many karaoke bars, too poorly. It's everywhere you go. I, I, I've, I've kind of lost some favor with that. It's just a little over overplayed for me at this well, point. But We live in Nashville, and everybody either knows a songwriter or has one sleeping on their couch. <laughs> and there's always some three-chord Johnny trying to bang Margaritaville out on Thursday night at some Mexican restaurant. It's true. Uh, have have you? This is cigar podcast, but we're talking about Jimmy Buffett. I'm actually really excited about this. Uh, li- Wait, live, live, you had to be there. Is the best album. If you've never heard it, I'll give it to you because I have it. It's it's a live album he did at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, and it's the best. It's got some. It's got uh, Perrier Blues, which is one of my favorite songs of his. It's got God's Own Drunk, which is one of my favorite songs of his, which is. Lord Richard Buckley. It's not actually his song, but he does a great version. Uh, it's you being. I can listen to that album front to back, and it puts me in that perfect little spot. As long as we're on island time, let's smoke a cigar. Why don't That's right. I, I'm going to stop you. We got to light these cigars, or else we'll never get done with this podcast. And I can't podcast about my cigar. <laughs> We'd have to change the name if you did. So tonight, I am smoking something new. I love something new. These just came in the humidor yesterday. So the La Aurora preferred preferidos have been a perfecto line of cigars for a long time. And just this year, they released them in the Rothschild, the more conventional Rothschild size. All right. And this the La Aurora preferido 1903 edition. I'm smoking the diamond edition or the black. It's the broadleaf wrapper. Very excited about this cigar. Um, the Dominican filler and binder, which is unusual because I'm not as gigantic a Dominican guy, but then in the American broadleaf wrapper, I'm excited. Excellent. Now, is that how long ago did that come out at the show? Is that it must have been because he literally just brought them in the yeah. humidor yesterday. I know I saw something on them, but I can't remember how long ago it was. And I just, it's something I want to get my hands on because I'm a big fan of a broadleaf wrapper just like you are. Uh, So I'm interested to kind of get your take on it a little bit. Well, and there's five different varieties, or actually six varieties of these. There's the sapphire, which is Ecuadorian, the gold, which is Corojo, the ruby, which is Brazilian, platinum, which is... I knew a Brazilian named Ruby. Oh. (laughs) Not, Not referring to her haircut. No. The... Platinum, which is African Cameroon, the Emerald, which is Ecuadorian, and then the Diamond, which is what I'm smoking tonight, the Black Sun Girl. 
So is that teal emerald color going to become for Ecuadorian cigars what orange is for Nicaraguan? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, every country gets assigned a color. Uh, apparently, it's like the A1GP of, of racing. They used Each country used to have a specific... Uh-oh. We got lighter troubles. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so every time I see an Ecuadorian wrapper, it seems to be in that color. Um, but I'm actually going to be enjoying a broadleaf wrapper today as well, and it is my old favorite. You know, as long as we're doing kind of a, a special, I mean, 40 is a bit of a milestone for episode 40, so I wanted to do something that I knew I was going to enjoy, something that I'm really looking forward to all day, and of course, it's the Tennessee Waltz. Now, I've only smoked this cigar once on the show before, uh, so I felt like going back to it. Um, it is a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper made in the My Father factory, Nicaraguan Puro. It's a, in a Toro 56 by 5.5, I believe, is the official measurement of this cigar. And it is, I mean, you guys have heard me talk so much about this cigar. So, I don't know what else there is to say that I haven't said already. Two things, folks. He was saying all that from memory. I had mine on notes ahead of me. All that. He's got it memorized like mass. <laughs> and second, say... Smoke, smoke be with you. <laughs> say I stretched, all, laid all of the Tennessee waltz you have smoked from end to end. How far could I make it from Tennessee? Uh, you could probably make it... Uh, West I, Coast... <laughs> At least it's, Vegas. It certainly feels that way. Uh, I definitely think you could get around the building. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to invest in a longer cigar. I've got bigger travel dreams than that. <laughs> I have to get it, you something in an A. <laughs> ultimately, it's it's probably in the seven or eight box range. If I'm and I'm probably I'm probably lowballing that, but it, I'm let's say ten boxes, two hundred cigars. Well, are you ready to do the part that everyone has been waiting to hear? Yeah, let's make both of our listeners happy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, we're going to lose one tonight because he's going to quit after he hears the other guy one. Yeah. And some of my favorite cigars are actually ones that, back when I was living in Texas, there were some shops that would do hand rolls in the shop, and it was just whatever they felt like rolling that day. But the same thing, you always had to let them sit for six or eight months or so. But but the ones we're smoking tonight aren't that way. They're ready to go right now. What are you going to enjoy with us? Tonight, I'm going to be smoking a Hoya de Nicaragua. It's the Cabaneta. It's one of their newer cigars. They just released it in 2011, 2012. So by the time it actually got to the shops, it was closer to 13 or 14. The Hoya Cabinet is a Nicaraguan cigar. It's a Nicaraguan binder, a Nicaraguan filler. What I'm smoking tonight is the Toro. It's five inches long. It's a 52 ring gauge. And just one of my favorite smokes to really enjoy. It retails at about $5, $6 each. Yeah, Hoya de Nicaragua, they put out the Hoya Red, the Hoya Black, and the Hoya Cabaneta in the last few years. And the Hoya Red's kind of the medium. The Hoya Black is the really heavy, dark version. And this Cabaneta seems to fall right in between those two. And I I apologize if you said it and I missed it. What wrapper does that have? It has a Nicaraguan wrapper Nicaraguan wrapper, okay. Uh, The spice and the flavor that you get on Nicaraguan tobacco is so, so good. Nicaragua has some of the greatest soils in the world, and they've really taken care of their soils. 
the influx of American and European cigar retailers going to Nicaragua for, let's face it, the inexpensive labor Mm -hmm. has really helped elevate their tobacco crops. Well, that's fantastic. And what are you going to have tonight? I am actually branching out from my typical flavor palette of of Nicaragua, and I am actually going to be smoking the Chapter 1 by La Flor Dominicana. This is a cigar that I've been smoking ever since it came out. Uh, LaFleur does the chisel shape better. Well, I think they're the only ones I've ever seen do it, but they certainly do a really good job. And so this was kind of not really the sequel, uh, but this was kind of a follow-up to their double arrow chisel that came out, uh, with, and they just knocked it out of the park. Uh, one of the things that's great about Florida Dominicana is that theirs is a Puro as well, so it's all Dominican tobacco. But... The amount of lajero that they use gives it that body and that that flavor that you really expect out of uh, a really complex and flavorful cigar. This is a little little bit more expensive in about the twelve dollar retail range. It's not I don't usually go up that high, uh, but I was in a shop today and I have not seen this cigar in a couple of years, and I just had to have it. Now, what is the difference in a chisel and a torpedo-shaped cigar? So a torpedo, if you think about the shape of a torpedo with a conical nose, the the head of the cigar is fully conical, whereas the chisel is flat, kind of like a platypus bill, if you will. In, in fact, one of my favorite ways to enjoy this cigar is with a V-cutter. And, of course, Calibri makes the best one because it's so clean, and it, the the shape of this cigar can actually handle that lighter because it's so sharp and does such a good job, but cutting it on the on long ways so that it really looks kind of like a platypus bill. Uh, and I'll put a picture up so you can kind of see what I'm talking about, but uh, it, it's my favorite way to enjoy this cigar. Which is actually the cut I put on this Cabinetta tonight is that Deep V is V is what I call it. There's a lot of V cutters out there. The Zycar V cut, um, to me, is not as deep as I like it. There are a lot of people that really enjoy having um, just the cover scratched off. They don't actually want to get into any of the binder or filler of the cigar. So the Deep V may not be as good for them, but for me, 90% of what I smoke is going to come from a Deep V. a lot of times I'll meet people in the shop that'll give me a cigar. The cigar community's really generous and really loves to share a good cigar with one another. And I'll no more than get the end of it hot. And they'll say, how's that? Right. <laughs> the restaurant critic. <laughs> They're always there and they always want your opinion. And there's very few reasons I will smoke a bad cigar. And it seems like whenever I smoke a bad cigar, it's one someone has given to me. And they're sitting right there. <laughs> I don't have the heart to tell them, wow, this is the worst thing I've ever smoked. And you'll and you'll get some dog turds that way. I mean, it, it, it's the nature of the beast because if everyone's palate was the same, then they would only sell one cigar. And there are people out there who are one cigar people. I always call them the monogamous cigar guy. Our guest today is someone we both know pretty well. Um, Tim has been in the shop. Before I even knew he had anything to do with the cigar industry, I probably knew him six months. So knowing Tim is just a joy. And Tim, thank you for being on the show. 
Well, thank you guys so much. I'm very glad to be here. Very excited about what you guys are doing. Well, we really appreciate it. One of the first things we do uh, whenever we get started is just start smoking a cigar. I see you've got one with you. What are you going to smoke today? Well, forgive me if I butcher the name. You may have to help me here, Trey, but uh, it's the Flor de las Antilles. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's, a pro, it's a cigar by my father, a cigar company, Don Papin, is the one who makes it. And uh, it's actually one of my favorite everyday sticks. Uh, it's a fantastic stick. Got a sun-grown wrapper. It's a, it's a Nicaraguan puro, so that means it's got Nicaraguan binder, filler, and wrapper, and, and uh, just a fantastic. They they call it a, a three-quarter to full-body smoke, uh, and so uh, just just a great great cigar any time of the day. There's very little that comes out of that factory that I don't enjoy. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the thing that's remarkable about this cigar to me, that, oh, this actually was the number number one cigar in 2012, you, you know, by Cigar Aficionado. Uh, and so that, coupled with the price point, uh, it's absolutely just a solid smoke. And, and Don Pepin, as you said, you know, I mean, my gosh, it's hard to... To throw a rock at a humidor and not hit a stick that he doesn't have his hand on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and in, in fact, one of my favorite cigars is one that he blends for crowns, crowned heads. It's the yeah. Tennessee Walt. So yeah, Absolutely. anything that his, has his hands on it, I, I know I'm going to enjoy it. What are you smoking, Shane? Well, today I went with one of my lighter selections. One of my favorites is an Avo Intermezzo XO. Um, Avo Avazian, piano player. Great story. If you ever get a chance, you should read about his life. He was a piano player, and he noticed in all these piano bars, people would smoke cigars. So through that, to make a long story short, he got into the cigar business. And he always produces a quality cigar to me. I've never had a bad cigar that I've always produced. This one today even has a little bloom on it. Hey, there you go. I I was scared off by... Avo, when I first started smoking cigars, uh, getting in the industry, just because of the price point. But then after I had a few, I realized exactly what was so special about them. They're just a great cigar. There is no cigar I reach for after a ribeye steak other than an Avo Heritage. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. That's oh, a great cigar. Oh, just a and after a steak, it just it complements it so perfectly. Now, what are you going to smoke today, Trey? So today I am smoking something from Roma Craft, uh, which is a boutique cigar company that you can't find just everywhere, but they are starting to show up in more and more humidors. Uh, this particular cigar is called the Intemperance, and today I am smoking the. Um, the Envy size, which is a 5 by 50 which is really not my typical wheelhouse, unfortunately. It's a cigar that I really enjoy, and that was the only size they had in the shop I was in. Um, but it's a, it's a Nicaraguan. Uh, it's mostly Nicaraguan binder and filler. The, the wrapper is actually Brazilian, and it's Brazilian something I won't even pretend to try and pronounce. Uh, but it's a great three-quarter to full-bodied cigar, similar to what Tim is smoking. But this cigar came out a couple years ago, and I've just been impressed with it ever since. Roma Craft makes the only Candela that I like. For the listeners out there, Candela is the green, the uncured tobacco wrapper. And it's a taste. There's some people I know that really enjoy Candela. Tim, what do, you, do you like Candelas? Yeah, you know, I, it's, a, it's an acquired taste, I think. I think just like... Uh, there, there's several cigars on the market that, that people either they tend to love or they hate. You know, you know, I don't find a lot of guys that go, yeah, I can. It's, it, there, there's usually a visceral reaction to it, and uh, kind of like, 
the Kentucky fire cured from your estates. You, you know, uh, some guys will light that up and they just love it, and other guys just hate it. And then very few. It's just a visceral reaction, you know. You know, and and so it's it's for it's just just like with you were you know talking about a ribeye steak. You know, we the three of us may go sit down at a at a nice restaurant, and one may order it rare, one may order it medium rare, one may order it well done. You know, you know, it just depends on the palate. You know, we may take our coffee, one may take it black or with with cream or cream and sugar, and so uh, it really depends on the person's palate whether or not that's going to resonate with them. And for me, candela is just uh, you, you know not something that I. I I look forward to it. It's not anything. That, it, it's an, it's it's kind of a uh, uh, I don't want to say an anomaly, but but you know it's it's just it's just a, a one of those things that that's kind of like oh well I'll try it just because it's something different. You know, it's not something I go to as an everyday smoke or something. I I would buy a box of. You know? Yeah, and I think. You'll see them sell around St. Patrick's Day quite a bit. Sure. And that's really about the only time I ever see anyone buying it. To me, they taste too much like the dirt they were grown in. Yeah. That's that's all I can taste. Well, it to me, it kind of gives it a creamier flavor, just a little more creaminess to the cigar. Sure. Um, Fuente makes one. I'm not as big a fan of Fuente's. Roma Craft, like I said, really makes the only one I really like. here with this week's Cigar Under $8. It's a little bit of a weird episode this week, but I couldn't let you go a whole week without hearing a Cigar Under 8 from us this week. I'm going to do something a little different. Typically, when we do the Cigar Under $8, we try and highlight something that we've both smoked, something that we really enjoy. This week, though, uh, Drew Estate announced a new release that I am so stinking excited about it, I can't even wait. It's the Hoya Silver. So, Hoya de Nicaragua is already got a color line kind of thing going with the red and the black which i love and so does shane shane's a big fan of these as well they're really flavorful cigars and incredibly budget friendly so they're adding the silver line to it this was announced on july 5th it's an ecuadorian oscuro wrapper which is one of my favorites because it's super flavorful and has a lot of uh, spice and really bold flavors they're throwing that over a Mexican binder and Nicaraguan filler. So in terms of a recipe for a cigar that both Shane and I are going to love, this one hits all the pieces. And even better than that, you know it's going to be kind of in that medium full Hoya range because it's what they're known for. But it's coming in four sizes. The Ultra is a six and a quarter by 46, uh, the largest of which is a six by 52 Toro which comes in, even the most expensive of the four sizes, is is $7.80 retail, going down to $6.30 for the Krona. So super budget-friendly. Hoping to get a handle on one of these samples at the show this year. Um, Really looking forward to this. So be on the lookout for it. It should start hitting your brick and mortars at the end of summer, early fall. I have a feeling, though, it is not going to disappoint. I don't believe in taking the entirety of the cap off. I think you should just take from the shoulder of the cap off. But I've seen people cut, and they want to take the entire cap off. Well, I may be sticking my foot in my mouth a little bit, but but you're wrong to do that. If you're taking the entire cap off, that's the wrong way to cut a cigar. You're taking too much off. 
the the little bit of cap that is left when you cut it, just shave the top off of the the cap, is going to hold the rest the the actual wrapper leaf on the cigar. If you've ever cut too much off, you've probably experienced where it starts to unravel on you about halfway through, and that's usually because you've cut off what's left of that cap. And that's kind of maintaining the integrity of the cigar through the length of the smoke. Well, and you also need to try a couple of different ones because not to get too graphic, but it depends on how wet your mouth is. You know, are you full of the juices of life or do you tend to be a little drier on the lip? And a lot of cigarette smokers are a little drier on the lip so they can cut a little further back and never notice it or they can they have a larger margin for error. But like myself, where I'm kind of sloppy with it, I want it a good cut that will hold up if it gets a little damp. And, and that goes kind of to why I'm not as much of a fan of the V-cut and the punch, is because I find that those tend to degrade at a faster rate with with more saliva than a straight cut does. Well, I will say with more saliva... The, the punch more so than the V-cut. Yeah, the punch is more prone for the cap to fall off before you're done smoking the cigar. Yeah. I mean, that's especially if you kind of gnaw a little or anything like that. Or if you sit play with it with your tongue or, or anything of the sort. Well, and I'm always rubbing my thumb across yeah. the back. I, I, that's just a habit. You just play I've, with it, yeah. Yeah, it's just a habit I've picked up while smoking, so... knuckles cracking you're squeezing too hard yeah and but there's one guy in here he's a great guy he's an outstanding human being a lot of fun to talk to um but every time i shake his hand I, he goes ahead you start shaking and he starts the conversation and i wonder if he's mentally already moved on from the handshake and just forgot to disengage how does how do you tactfully get out of that? The only way that's acceptable is when you when it's accompanied by the other hand on the shoulder. But that you have to be imparting some wisdom or congratulating the groom. Those are the only two scenarios where that is acceptable. And under no circumstance do you put one hand over the handshake. No, not unless you're a Baptist preacher. Yeah, yeah. And even then even then it's iffy. I've shaken hands of a lot of Baptist preachers, and very few... The ones that have done that are usually the ones that are a little too into themselves. Yeah. Generally, the single hand, single hand, two pump. Is that going to be the cigar cash rule? Yeah, I think so. Single hand, handshake, two pumps. And definitely don't, don't go in with the dead fish. Don't go in with the dead fish. Now, but also, I need a handshake recovery course. What about when you go for the handshake and you squeeze too quick so you don't never get the Oh, actual, you get their fingers? Yeah, you don't actually engage. This happened to me tonight in the humidor. You never get the interlock. You squeeze too early or he squeezes too early and it just... Can you call a do-over? No, I think you just you just steer into the skid. You just turn your hand over into curtsy. <laughs> <laughs> You and I handle situations vastly <laughs> different <laughs> at all. But I think there's a, you know, the handshake, everybody remembers the man that taught them how to shake hands. My great uncle taught me how to shake hands outside the Western Sizzling in Austin, Texas in 1986. I know the exact moment that my uncle, I shook, he stuck his hand out and I shook it. He said, no, son, that's not how you shake hands. And we had a handshake lesson, and that's how I've shaken hands ever since that day. 
But, you know, it was 86. I was quite a bit younger. I, I really wasn't old enough to be shaking hands. Were well, you were about he, nine or ten at that point? Uh, about nine, yeah. Yeah. And, but I was old enough to do it right mm-hmm. and all. But I think everybody, do you remember who taught you to shake hands? I do. It was a woman. Uh, <laughs> she yeah. was an older lady. I never thought this would happen to me, dear penthouse. Oh, right. Sorry, carry on. No. <laughs> oh, you said shaking hands. Hands, uh, hands. Okay. No, um, when I was younger, uh, much to my chagrin at the time, uh, my mother enrolled all of us kids in cotillion, and so we learned how to ballroom dance. So we learned, you know, how to sit at a fully banqueted dinner with the twelve forks and thirteen knives and spoons that you've never seen before. And we kind of learned the basics of etiquette, formal etiquette, but part of that was learning how to shake hands properly, eye contact, firm grip. You know, that's where the two pumps comes in. You know, that that sort of thing. So that was kind of my. I was probably in fifth or sixth grade at the time, so not far off, probably about 12 or 13. Well, and here's the thing. Let's give the handshake its due. When you start the handshake, complete the handshake, then go into conversation. Don't have the conversation during the shake. I like to call an end of the shake and a begin to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that naturally occurs in most cases, though. Well, uh, several people here, they'll they'll start talking to you. Now, sometimes I'm walking in, they're talking to somebody else, and I just walk by, smack them on the shoulder, and they stick their hand out, and we shake, and they never break stride in their conversation. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. That, that That's admissible. But by and large, in a one-to-one interaction, look them straight in the eye, good handshake, then begin the conversation. And never in the restroom. And never in the restroom. Never in the restroom, and never while they're trying to put their cedar spill out. There's been a lot of cigar stores burned to the ground by this. I also think you kind of have to take stock of the situation as well. We are going really into the weeds on handshaking. Um, But this happens to me in here more often than it does anywhere else, and more often than not, where I've got... I'm trying, I've just paid for my cigar, so I'm trying to put my card back in my wallet, and I've probably got my phone or my lighter in my hand, and then the cigar in the other one, and, it, and then the person reaches out. It's like, all right, how many hands do you think I have, or what else are you willing to shake here? Because you're going to need to give me a minute. Yeah, there, there's always, and that's, that's where the cigarette pocket on the shirt that is going away is sorely missed, because you could just do that move where you flip the cigar, stick it in your pocket, and go yeah. for it. Provided it's not lit. <laughs> just, you, oh, you get it cut, and then, oh, they're about to shake. You flip it, do the little the stash move. <laughs> and all I've, uh, there's so many rules. You know, there's so many rules to being a man interacting with other men. And there's such a standard set. I feel like this is something you think about more than anybody else. Just because, okay, I never go into a bar without a mouthpiece and a pan flute. What? Well, okay, so if somebody charge, somebody gets rowdy and says something offensive, mm-hmm. first thing you do, take your shoes off. Then get out your mouthpiece, put it in. By the time the pan flute plays that little karate, you know, that theme, they're apologizing. Who do you, <laughs> who do you get to play the pan flute? It's only one note. It took Glenda, what, six weeks to learn? <laughs> It's just one little riff. That's all I really need. Okay. <laughs> and all, but that was the thing. You always knew in the old 80s kung fu movies when somebody was about to die because somebody started playing a pan flute. I don't know how that became the standard, but that little kung fu riff. That... 
<laughs> once you hear that, and the first thing you do when you take the mouthpiece out and put the mouthpiece in, they know, okay, this ain't this guy's first rodeo. <laughs> or it really is. Yeah. It can go one of two ways. Well, if I pull that, I mean, based on our, our the way we're built, I pull that move. <laughs> it's not going to end as well for me as it does if you pull that move. Well, if we then, ta- then people start looking at you to try and find your cauliflower ear. Like, that's... Well, you take the shoes off. So, yes, you may be correct. I may put too much thought into this. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening this week. We will be back with your regularly scheduled program next week. Uh, We'll get Shane back in here. Hopefully the audio will sound better, and we'll have some more hilarity to ensue. In the meantime, I want to remind you all that you can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. And if you've got a second, since this episode's a little bit shorter this week than normal, go on over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. That really helps us uh, kind of with whatever the iTunes algorithm is. Helps other people uh, learn about us, helps us reach. Uh, so we really appreciate that. Look forward to hearing you guys. Before, until next week, smoke a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.